You're listening to Poor Man's History, where we talk about true crime and weird history while we're having some drinks. This is a unique episode in that we've been podcasting in one fashion or another for one podcast or another for perhaps four hours now. So you're getting the best of the best with me, Jody Arnold, and my co-host, Tyler Haas. Hello. Uh, Can I give you the three important don'ts of telephone etiquette? Yeah. This is from Emily Post's etiquette, uh, (laughs) 1930-something. Three important don'ts of telephone etiquette. When the number you get is evidently wrong, don't ask, what number is this? Ask instead, is this, etc., etc.? Sorry, you have the wrong number. What number is this? That actually is good etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> what number is this places, that... <laughs> places the blame on the other person for having... <laughs> yeah, I've had that experience and been like, why do I have to repeat the number that you just called? Right. Yeah. Uh, this number is this and this. Well, that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> number two, don't answer and then say, wait a minute. And keep whoever called you waiting while you vanish on an errand of your own. If the doorbell is ringing and you can't listen at that moment, say, I'll call you back in a few minutes and do so. Number three, <laughs> don't let too young a child answer the phone. A lot, of the call- <laughs> a lot of the caller's time is wasted trying to make the child understand a message and relay it to the right person. There's a long silence. There's no way of knowing whether the child is hunting for mother or playing with his dog. Quite forgetful of the caller and the telephone. Sound advice. A common, <laughs> such a common issue that it made the three don'ts of telephone. <laughs> a lot of that feels, you know, a little bit out of date. I have experienced all of those things, but people don't often, there's not a lot of landlines. Mm. So, you know, I think the chances of a kid answering the phone are far fewer these days like i remember trying to call somebody and having some little kid answer the phone and being like this is completely impossible you know especially when i worked in politics and stuff like that it doesn't happen so much anymore but those still are all very sensible Mm -hmm. Uh, and you'll be happy to know uh according to emily post the most appropriate way to answer the phone continues to be hello hello Hello, you're listening to Poor Man's History. Um, I started last time. Jody, would you like to tell me a story? Jody Arnold here. That's how I'd like to answer the phone. That's a lot of confidence. Well, hey, I'm going to take you on a tour. Okay. So I've got this fascination with Al Capone because my great-grandfather worked for Al Capone. In sixth grade, I wrote this story. I believe I've told you this, but I'm going to share it for Uh, everybody. (laughs) Uh, What history got wrong? Uh, Al Capone was a pretty good guy by Jody Arnold. It was called Tell Me a Lie. You were supposed to write something and it was either like tell me the truth or tell me a lie and everybody had to guess you know what it was so i wrote the story about how my great-grandfather worked for al capone and it's not terribly romantic but he 
there was a time and maybe it's still like this. I'm not sure where you had, you could not bring meat across state lines. So my great grandfather was like running meat, like between Chicago and Lublin, Wisconsin. It was a place to lay low while you're bootlegging meat. (laughs) Yeah. And there would be calls made that you would pick up the phone and it would say black clouds over Lublin. And that meant that either the feds were there or they thought the feds were coming. Because not only was it the meat, but also the suggested presence of Al Capone. The biggest chunk of meat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My grandma went with my great-grandfather to meet Al Capone. And they had a car that they, like, when they were giving him stuff, it had, like, carpeting in the back, like, kind of a station wagon type car. And my grandma would like lay back there or sit back there. So it just looked like a kid in the back. Like, oh, this is very innocent, you know, so that they wouldn't get stopped. And like she said that when they went to meet Al Capone, her her dad was like, don't look him in the eye. Just stare straight ahead, you know, and all this stuff. So I wrote this story and my teacher called my parents and was like, your daughter has a very active imagination and is insistent that the story she wrote is true. And my mom's like, well, what did she write? And then they read it. The teacher read it to her. And my mom was like, well, that is true. And then I was crowned Miss Stanley. The, The meat running queen of Stanley. Yeah. So I've had this like fascination with Al Capone. And so I'm doing a fun one. This is a fun one. I'm taking you on a TravelWisconsin.com tour where I'm going to talk about all of the places that not only Al Capone went to, but all these different gangsters. So during the 20s, the 30s, we had people like Al Capone, John Dillinger, and a lot of those people were doing their business in Chicago. And so if they needed a place to hide, Wisconsin became the place for all this sort of thing. Lots of woods, rural, and a good place to isolate, especially during the 20s and 30s. In the uh, 90s and 2000s. And good place to just isolate yourself from the rest of the world, I'd say. Yeah, except for when you want to isolate. <laughs> <laughs> So Wisconsin's played a host to a number of infamous figures, including Capone, Dillinger, a history mined by Michael Mann's movie, Public Enemies. So there's these tours that you can do where you're going to see a bunch of cool stuff. And gosh darn it, we were in Hayward not that long ago, and that's one of the places on this list. So if you want to go on a northern tour of the gangster life, all right, you're going to start at the Little Bohemia Lodge in Manitowash Waters. So this place is the site of a 1934 firefight between the Dillinger Gang and the FBI. The Little Bohemia Lodge still operates as a restaurant and was used as an authentic location for public enemies' recreation of that fateful night. The property has been faithfully preserved to maintain its unique history, 
original bullet holes still course, pepper the of walls. Course, I was going to say, the bullet D- holes. They- Dillinger memorabilia is on display in Legends of a Missing Bag Lost in the Shuffle of the Gang's Escape Remain. So you can start there. I would love to do one of these. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Gangsters of the Northwoods. <laughs> so then you go to the Dillman's Bay Resort in Lac de Flambeau. This is so. This is so Wisconsin. Yeah, I saw these. Yeah. I don't even know oh, the site of a shootout over a plate of smelt. <laughs> Cabin five was used by Babyface Nelson as a hideout following his escape from the FBI shootout at the Little Bohemia Lodge. So there's we're we're doing some connecting never, the dots s- here. I never saw Public Enemy. Is there a shootout that's uh, the shootout is in slow motion and the soundtrack is just uh like Polish polka. <laughs> I slowed down no. to like a, a creepy level and no <laughs> you've never seen that huh no. i went i met this guy and i went on like four dates with him and he never um so much as shook my hand for any of these dates i mean those are serial killer numbers <laughs> on the fifth date he had me meet him somewhere where he said we were going to do some outdoor activities when I met up with him. Hold on, I need details. What, what, what? You don't necessarily need to have a lot of physical contact in the first four dates. Like I can believe it. What, what did those dates look like? Um, it was like, oh, let's go have coffee. Let's go, you know, for a walk. Let's go to the chalk fest thing or whatever. But like walking like a considerable distance from me. So by this time, by the fifth date, I was already saying to my friends, because I had been recently divorced and was like, hadn't dated for a while and was like, maybe I'm behind on how things go or something. (laughs) And so I was like, this is very weird. Four dates in, at that point, it starts to snowball where, like, now you can't do anything. Like, now it's like weird if you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, on the fifth date, he's like, Well, let's meet me here and we'll do some like hiking or whatever. So, I meet this guy and we are not going to go hiking. He has like two Glocks strapped to his legs and a complete arsenal of weapons. And we're just going to like shoot them in the woods at stuff. And I'm like, he's like, oh, I didn't want to say that this is what we're doing because I didn't know if you'd be into it or not. And like, I, you know. <laughs> That's why you should say it before. <laughs> you might not be into it. So I thought I'd spring it on you. <laughs> I thought I'd wait till I have all the guns on my person before you knew about it. Uh, I figured I'd have a better chance. <laughs> so then after that date, he asked me to go see Public Enemies. So we went to go see that and just like... How did the day go where you shot guns in the woods? Um, I think there was a part of me that was so mystified by what was happening. Under normal circumstances, I would not have been... Like guaranteed that guy is driving one of these trucks with the Trump flags. Uh, there's a thing about flag etiquette in the Emily Post <laughs> book about how flags on vehicles should only be tiny flags above your radiator. So... Take that, Trump supporters. But shooting guns is fun. Yeah. And like, you know, I was I was mystified by what was happening because at that point in my life I was super anorexic and I 
I was like, they were strapped to him, like when yeah. he showed up, because that's it's not like he had a trunk of guns. Like, here's the plan for today. Like, oh, he's a he had he's, some of them. He's strapped a, like to him. he also had others in. He's his a car. multiple holster guy who has suddenly decided to reveal this to. You. Yeah, he had them strapped to the outside of his legs, and he did have some in his car, and. Like, I think I was like, oh, maybe opposites can attract or something like this. Mm-hmm. So then we went to see Public Enemies. He sat next to me the whole time, never even acknowledged my presence during the movie. So that's my memory of seeing this movie is that then... Because he was so enthralled? Or, he just, or... like, I don't understand. Like, wouldn't you, I don't know, like, try to hold somebody's hand or or something? So after that, I was like, you know what? I am, I don't think this is working because I don't really feel any chemistry because how would I even know? And so I said, I I don't think this is working out, you know. Then like two months later, he posts a misconnection to me, which one of the things I do, if you're friends with me in real life, I like to share misconnections posts from Craigslist and write funny commentary. So I pull up a misconnections and here it is this guy writing to me. Before you say what this misconnection was can i just point out that you are the unicorn you are what every guy thinks is possible in the world when they write a misconnection because they entertain the possibility that the woman they want to read it will read it that never ever happens except in your case (laughs) yeah and it was like he had a motorcycle which was probably ultimately the reason why i kept dating him and it was like i enjoyed having you on my scoot and you looked good on it <laughs> and when we went he called his motorcycle a scoot yeah okay and when we went to the chalk fest i enjoyed the pride i felt in pulling up with you behind me on the scoot and it's like you have my phone number and we went on several dates and you made no move to make this romantic and now you're writing me a misconnection like that I dropped you out of nowhere or that we have no connection. No. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Oh, I guess a guy with a motorcycle and a bunch of guns isn't somebody I would normally relate to, but, like, I, I can understand, like, I feel proud going in, in public with you. Like, I, I can see, like, being... So, so like I can't believe she's going on another date with me. <laughs> like, like I, I mean, I, I don't, don't want to hold her hand and fucking scare her away. <laughs> I'm just going to like keep like sitting next to her. So anyway, that's my memory of public enemies. Let's go back to this. After you go to Cabin Five at Dillman's Bay Resort, who calls their motorcycle a scoot? Then you're going to want to scoot on over Mm -hmm. to Manaqua and go to the Norwood Pine Supper Club. A popular, it was a popular gangster dinner spot. It still operates as a restaurant surrounded by stately red pines, views of Patricia Lake and grazing white-tailed deer. This is written by somebody who doesn't live in Wisconsin. (laughs) And it's also written by somebody who was like, "Um, (laughs) we really want to be on this tour, but we don't really have like anything specific we've been told that gangsters used to eat here it's eat like a meal <laughs> dear <laughs> let me just say that all the rest of these are pretty specifically great you know like the barker lake lodge and golf course in hayward which i have no idea where that is <gasps> chicago gang leader and speakeasy operator quote Polak joe saltis 
owned a 238-acre estate on Barker Lake near the town of Winter in Sawyer County, not far from Al Capone's estate. Today, visitors can stay in the historic lodge. They can play golf on a classic nine-hole layout that Saltis built in the 1920s. A classic nine-hole layout. Classic. I mean, Pollock Joe. Is this a Pollock Joe layout? (laughs) Herman's Landing Resort, now known as the Landing in Hayward. According to Wise Guy Legend, in 1949, Joey, quote, the Doves Ayupa, caught a world record muskie at Herman's Landing Resort. On the run from the law, Ayupa sold the 69-pound, 11-ounce fish to Louis Spray. Spray, a former bootlegger himself, registered the catch as his own and has been recognized as the world record holder ever since. This is the fish that we saw an enormous replica of in Hayward? Yeah, and the moccasin bar, I believe, holds the fish itself. This was a hot fish. (sighs) It was a hot fish. So these families and their children, they come to climb up in the mouth and celebrate and take pictures with a hot fish, with a hot bootlegged fish. Well, I don't know if this is supposed to be. Oh, this is wise guy legend. I mean, if you go to the fishing hall of fame, it's not like it says this is a replica of the world's largest muskie. It's just that that area is known because of the world's largest muskie. So then they did make. The world's largest oh, musky sure, yeah, out of yeah. fiberglass. Okay, yeah, so, no, okay. So it's not that that musky isn't the musky like blown up. Like this, but it's also not because like this area gets big muskies. It's because of this musky. Yes, that they have a park with an enormous musky in it. Okay, and but it's not like you won't find that on a plaque. That's like you have to hear it from Jimmy Jimmy Two Cast. Yeah. Up. <laughs> <laughs> wise guy legend. what a wild story that some guy who was on the run so this guy's on the run from the law but he decides to go fishing <laughs> he's in a he's in a a, a, a model t d- dragging in the back from a fucking 60 pound muskie i gotta lose this <laughs> like i might it's hot muskie the cops are after me but there's a lake like, why would you be fishing if you're if the cops are after you? Was the okay? So he what did he he he, he parted out the muskie? Did he s- sell it? Do you sell a muskie? Yeah, he sold it so supposedly he, to Louis Spray. Right. Who? So not only did he have the world's biggest muskie on him while he's on the lamb, he's on the lamb with a hot muskie. He's on the lamb fishing, and he thinks. I'm in trouble. I got to get this muskie off my hands. And then furthermore, <laughs> he has a muskie guy who he knows is interested in <laughs> exceptional muskies. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who is, how. Who is not above uh, fraudulently claiming a yeah. muskie. <laughs> a 69 pound 11 ounce muskie is pretty big. That is uh, a big muskie. Yeah. The next stop on this list, look at you envisioning it. I guess he didn't have the muskie that long, right? He didn't have it on ice. I mean, the 
We can just stop right here and talk about this musky for the rest of the night. Do you want to? I I don't know what why what is the benefit of getting the musky off your hands? I suppose because if you have a musky that big, you're going to <laughs> you're gonna have to. So you're gonna attract attention. <laughs> yes. It's like having a broken tail light. He probably Pulled knew. Pulled him over for the musky. <laughs> Caught him on the tax fraud. He probably knew. That what he had on his hands was going to blow people's minds. <laughs> and it's like, I gotta, yeah. I, I can't take, I can't have this kind of attention on me. <laughs> yeah. Can you hand me that glass of whiskey? That's the first rule. You keep a low profile. He sent Al Capone a picture of the musky and Al Capone's like, take it out to the docks and get rid of it. <laughs> So he dumps the musky. <laughs> I mean, well, okay. should I just look this up and I'll just stay here? Nobody I, needs to complete a tour. They, I guess in Hayward, they probably it's probably less important who caught the fish. The fish is the thing that's being celebrated, not the guy and like his legitimacy <laughs> as a musky hunter. Um, I've got an interesting bit of news about this. Okay. Do we want to stay on this? Should I just abandon the rest of that? Uh, I mean... Yeah. We can post the link and you can see the other places that you could go to. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be next episode. We'll finish out the tour. Louis Spray's Muskie reinstated as biggest. This is the Chippewa Flowage website. Okay, so not like the Guinness Guinness World Records. This is the Chippewa City Flowage that that hands out this prestigious award. (laughs) Uh, It wields such power that they took it away and I guess reinstated it. It's the Lake Chippewa Flowage Resort Association. Oh, no. It's like the United Nations. (laughs) Louis Sprays Muskie reinstated colon. (laughs) Okay, keep going. Well, wait till you hear the years on this. Four years ago, on August 6th, 1992. Boy. This is a website you're reading from? Okay. (laughs) This should be like GeoCities slash (laughs) Art Lawton's world record muskie originally thought to have been 69 pounds 15 ounces and 64 and a half inches long was discovered to have been falsified in quotations greatly exaggerated in size (laughs) (laughs) it was disqualified jointly by the national freshwater fishing hall of fame which is in hayward certainly they have no vested interest in this story It's, it's, it's all just gangster descendants right and the IGFA, whichever, which, whatever that is. Wait, sorry, who was the, the guy who had his title stripped? Because that's going to be my story next Art week. Lawton. Art Lawton sounds like a fish huckster. <laughs> as a consequence of that decision, Louis Spray officially was reinstated as the all-tackle <laughs> world record holder of the muscalunge with his 69-pound, 11-ounce fish that he caught out of the Chippewa Flowage in 1949. Recapping what led to this bombshell discovery, 
In August 1991, some very contradictory facts about the Lawton Muskie became known to me. And since a hotter muskie? <laughs> and since so many anglers in the muskie fishing community have always questioned the legitimacy of his fish, I began to deeply research the matter. My goal was neither to prove or disprove the Lawton Muskie, but to learn all the facts. Follow, just follow the money, yeah. In summary, the Lawton fish was disqualified because it was discovered that Art Lawton had submitted false evidence to Field O Stream, the record-keeping body at the time, supporting his world record muskie. It was discovered that the photo he submitted to Field and Stream here as being... <laughs> oh, my God. The photo he submitted as being of his 69-pound, 15-ounce muskie actually was the photo of a much smaller muskie of 49 and a half but inches. But he was holding it closer to the camera? <laughs> and the weigh-in affidavit Lawton submitted was false evidence. The principal weight witnessed had recant recanted his original story. Among the preponderance of evidence discovered proving the fish to have been falsified, the key piece of the whole affair rested upon a newly discovered photo of the Lawton muskie. <laughs> oh my God. Showing the fish hanging from a post, clearly showing the true size of the fish. The photo shows the muskie to be approximately a foot shorter than Art Lawton's own height and not a mere three and a half inches shorter as claimed by Lawton, who was 68 inches tall. Some individuals have made the petty and unfounded accusations that the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame disqualified the Lawton Muskie in an effort to, quote, bring the record back home to Wisconsin. But to anyone knowing the facts, this can easily be dispelled. The fact is the decision to disqualify Lawton's fish was not made by a handful of Hayward people. <laughs> <laughs> but by a world board of approximately 40 advisory gu advisory governors made up of people from all over the United States, Canada, and even abroad, these people voted overwhelmingly to disqualify the Lawton muskie solely because the facts indisputably prove that Lawton fish has that fish had to be falsified. So history is once again back on its correct course and the mark to bet is set. It only takes time on the water and that one charmed cast to catapult you into the record books to attain that hollowed title that Louis Spray now holds with the largest muskie ever caught in history, a 69-pound, 11-ounce catch from the Chippewa Flowage. So, hey, um, I took you on a wild ride that started on a gangster tour and ended with thank god this fraudulent fish was dismissed so we could bring the crown home to another guy who didn't actually catch the fish <laughs> yeah no mention of that although you know what honestly i believe that the town of hayward would uh, move heaven and earth to bring that that title home because they probably already had the giant fish built and what else were they gonna do if they lost that record yeah, a lot. World's second biggest fish. <laughs> yeah, and the moccasin bar. I mean, there's a lot dependent upon those <laughs> things, you know. So, what a wild ride that was! Please, uh... yeah. Um, this is a this is a pretty easy one. Um, this is actually a story uh from 2015. It's pretty recent, actually. It's about a guy named Paul Zimmer. Now, in 2015, Paul Zimmer joined um, 
I don't know how it's pronounced. I'm guessing mu musically. Uh, it is the app that would become TikTok. Musical.ly. Okay. Um, I don't know if you when when TikTok was like gaining steam in the U.S. Uh, it was mm. it was known as a app for people lip syncing to music videos. Mm. I'll take your word on it. But but at the time when it was known as musically, that's what it was. Uh, I don't think I like TikTok. But it's a, an app where you are deliberately creating content that you are convinced is going to go viral. Yeah. And be clever. So musically, the app for lip syncing videos, uh, it, it would be bought by TikTok in 2018. This guy, Paul Zimmer, joins musically in 2015. And he posts near daily clips of himself uh, doing jerky dance moves, acting out scenes with his fiance, Jamie, and flashing his apps. He's, uh, he's a handsome young guy. Within 18 months, I Zimmer's... I hate him. Uh, boy, you are going to love him by the end of this. Within 18 months, Zimmer's seemingly mundane videos were regularly drawing half a million viewers per clip, and he became one of the most popular users on the app. By the start of 2017, Zimmer had gained an audience of just under a million Instagram followers and a whopping 7 million on Musical.ly. The followers then transferred to TikTok when it was bought, giving Zimmer one of the largest followings on the world's fastest growing social media platform. Right, so he's a TikTok superstar in 2017. So then in 2017, the empire begins to crumble. I don't understand why he's this famous to begin with. Did you watch any of the videos? I mean, have you watched, have you ever watched a PewDiePie video? No. God uh, is a chaotic monster and <laughs> does not pick based on merit. Got it. PewDiePie. So. What happens in 2017 is uh, Zimmer is, is has this relationship with his fans where he's soliciting gifts where you can pay for, you can buy like a sticker. Or Essentially what's happening is that his fans can like pay to have him uh, do a shout out or uh, uh, message them privately or so, like there's like a, like a cameo sort of you pay to get this interaction. Or Patreon or something. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash cool and unusual punishment. Uh, in exchange, uh, he does favors such as shout-out videos, sharing their videos on his page, sending them personalized DMs, thanking them for their donation. At the time, this was a relatively normal practice, and there's a notation here that if a slightly dodgy one given, it involved users as young as 13. But the reason it's notable is because Zimmer became a bit of a controversial figure because he was taking in all this money from his, his millions of fans and apparently not honoring the commitments, like he was not doing whatever favors he was promising. Uh, and it became a big enough thing that the hashtag ban Paul Zimmer started going around and uh, got heated enough that he disappeared from social media entirely, wiping its Instagram and YouTube channel of all content. What? Right. What? This young guy got popular doing his music videos, didn't give his shout outs or whatever. So for two years, Paul Zimmer is a ghost. He's off the map, right? He disappears. All these people are wondering where their shoutouts and their DMs are. He doesn't provide them. People get mad, and he just pieces out, right? But then, late last year, 2019 in October, Zimmer reappears on social media. He posts a picture, a side-by-side -side image of himself with another guy. And I have the photo here. Side-by-side -side photo of him with another man with this caption. Quote, This actor, at Troy Becker IG, 
literally looks like a younger, sexier version of me, Zimmer wrote. I don't even use social media anymore, but had to post this. Ha ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) Clicking on Troy Becker's Instagram. Yeah. Led to an almost unpopulated account with only 11 posts uploaded before Zimmer's side-by-side post. (laughs) So... Uh, so, uh, <laughs> is this like uh So, it's pointed on this article that it's hard to track the fan response because at this point, Zimmer had turned off comments. So, like, whatever people were thinking about this, we don't know. But two months later in December, he posts again. No one comment on this. Another Troy Becker post. Uh, what? Addressing the people who had responded that... Troy Becker was, in fact, Paul Zimmer by saying, quote, this is in all caps, I'm telling you, he is my younger bro, crying laughing emoji. (laughs) Eight days later, on December 18th, he drops this bombshell. Hey, it's Paul Zimmer. (laughs) This is probably going to be my last social post ever. I've come to a place in my life where... Being in the spotlight and being an entertainer is no longer my passion. Although it deeply saddens me to leave so bluntly, especially that so many of you have watched me for so many years, I don't want to leave my social media pages just sitting to die. Oh, so I've no. decided to give my social media accounts to at Troy Becker IG. What? Because, <laughs> because he is one of the dopest people I know. And he's literally my younger twin. My much younger twin. I believe Troy is 15 or 16 years old. Ha 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 This is the... <laughs> um... Zimmer was apparently okay. offering to give up public life and hand over an audience of more than 8 million followers to a teenage boy who just happened to look exactly like him. Can I ask really quickly, when he came back from his social media break, mm-hmm. he just reactivated those accounts so he had all those millions of followers because they probably I'm just... I'm sure, yeah. Okay, just wanted to... <clears throat> <clears throat> so in case it's unclear, and apparently it was pretty clear to everybody, um, but there's some... Some some uh, like ex fans and YouTube sleuths who were uh, dug into this, you know. I'm really um, glad this is the case because I saw you over there earlier today, looking at pictures of young, uh, g- uh, handsome men. Yeah, and I was like, what? Is I was he scrolling doing? like, God, I, I bet she can see me looking I mean, at this. I wasn't like staring, but like yeah. I looked over that way, and I'm like, what? I was is- watching videos by him, and I was like, oh my God, if you walk in here and I'm watching him do like when you walk down the stairs and your mom's in a bad mood. Not a 25-year-old man. Troy Becker, 15-year-old boy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Halo Haley, a, a YouTube sleuth and longtime Zimmer obsessive, posted a video in October. Quote, if you listen to Troy's voice on his Instagram, it sounds exactly the same as Paul Zimmer. She said, for her, it seemed painfully obvious uh, that <laughs> Troy Becker was just Zimmer in new clothes. Quote, I know... it's Paul Zimmer because I met him in person when I went to New York in 2017. I met Paul and Jamie, his fiance there. Another YouTuber, Danny Gonzalez, also made a video about Zimmer's apparent transformation to Troy Becker on December 30th, 2019, after Zimmer revealed that that he'd be giving Troy his social media accounts. Mm -hmm. Gonzalez included videos and pictures of Troy Becker 
taking part in an acting class with Zimmer's fiance at the Heller Approach in acting school in L.A. on June 10th, four months before Zimmer's first post about Becker. The appearance and voice of Zimmer and Becker appear to be identical. I'm not going to speculate. All I'm saying is that he has found a doppelganger who looks exactly the same as him if he uh, shaves. Uh, and he's decided to gift this stranger with 7 million TikTok followers. You clearly are looking for this picture as if you're... Here's another one. <laughs> okay. These are printed off. You have to understand that this guy with like 8 million followers... There was no question what was happening. Like, yeah. you have to understand it was obvious. And then he's like, man, love this kid. Looks just like me. He's like a younger, sexier version. Anyway, I think I'm going to leave. But Troy I mean, Becker. This makes no sense. Like, so, <laughs> right? It doesn't make any sense that you would just be like, I don't want to be on social media anymore, but I, <laughs> I can only... Do I it love if this I guy like love him the way you loved me because he has off. to look exactly like me. <laughs> Otherwise, like you cannot leave your social media account until you find somebody who looks exactly right. like you to yep. take over your yeah a, a younger version to. <laughs> so the article I've been reading from ends with this update. Uh, this piece was last updated on January 9th, twenty twenty, to reflect that Zimmer has deleted his Instagram account, deleted his TikToks as Troy, and has changed his TikTok handle. Uh, so I guess this, um, whatever gambit he was doing, like, wasn't working because he purged these accounts again. But then, March 2020. <laughs> Troy Becker comes back. Uh, he's returned to social media, uploaded a video in March of 2020 to his TikTok account, promising to, quote, clear this up. Though instead of doing that, he directed his 7 million followers to follow his second TikTok account, at Troy Becker TikTok. <laughs> quote, I'm not really one to talk about drama, but with people making up rumors to why I disappeared, with this whole Paul Zimmer, Troy Becker thing, with people saying that I got banned, people saying that I scammed people. Oh my God, he added, there's just too much BS out there, to be honest, that I have to clear this all up. So what he goes on to say is, my name is Troy Becker. I'm an actor. And Paul Zimmer is a character that I created for social media to entertain and inspire people. I wanted Paul Zimmer to be like a perfect person. But I found out really quickly that perfection just doesn't exist. And I got super exhausted and depressed trying to be perfect. So... Uh, what? The, uh, I can't remember who wrote this article, Insider or something. They obtained court documents that sh that showed that three months earlier in January, oh, no. they obtained court documents that said that uh, Paul Zimmer also wasn't real. Uh, his name was actually Paul Joseph Gutowski, who changed his name in March of 2019 to Troy Becker, <laughs> which is several months before he would go on to discover this young guy and tell all his followers that you should hang out with Troy Becker instead. He's way cooler before leaving and then leaving again and then coming back as Troy Becker to say that Paul Zimmer was the character and I, Troy Becker, am the real person legally now because he's changed his name. As a addendum to all this, 
I went to his TikTok, Troy Becker's. I'll call him Troy Becker now because that's his legal name. Yeah. His name is Troy Becker. It's still up. And he posted as like recently as like September. Um, and it was, uh, so it's, it's a video of like when you want to ask him, cause remember Troy Becker is like 16. Yeah. <laughs> Not a 20 something. Yeah. <laughs> when you want to ask your mom for a favor and it's him like coming down the stairs of what looks to be a mansion. And then cut to him playing his mom like at the sink and she's in a bad mood. Huh? And then it cuts back to him on the stairs and he's like, whoop. And he goes back upstairs. Uh, it's an adult man <laughs> setting aside the fact that he's playing a version of himself that's 10 years younger. This guy is so painfully unfunny and he and he <laughs> is so delusional that he's like <laughs> he yes. couldn't even do a shout out video. So he like erased his identity and was like made a doppelganger legally bought into it. And now is just making like shitty TikTok videos. <laughs> oh, my God. He could have seriously just posted a video and said, been hey, like, thanks for the donation. <laughs> like, I, he could Way have leaned in- on like, oh, I'm sorry. This has been a really hard time for me. It's crazy to have like years of time in between to what? self-reflect and instead double down on it. Yeah. What happened to this woman? Was she fictional as well that he was engaged to? I don't know. There's no follow-up as to... Imagine... Like, in the time in between where you're like, fuck, like, I used to be famous and probably making a lot of money, and now I fucked up. Like, I got to get this back. What do I do? I'll change my name. Then nobody can tell me I'm not Troy Becker. That's what an idiot thinks, right? Yeah. (laughs) And then to make videos. It's the exact same guy posting pictures. Like, look at this guy. (laughs) What a hunk. (laughs) Anyway, follow his Instagram. I mean, that is... Oh, <laughs> is he also dressed like his mom? Is uh, it one in like of a those? white in like a white robe uh, that um, like oh. he probably bought as a prop. Like, like I completely understand this. Either whole... he's a millionaire who's doing this in his own house, or he like lives with his parents because this is a an immaculate house. And or he's this like, is like a Neil like Green this, thing so. where he got a house for a day. Um, maybe there's a thousand other videos that I didn't watch, so maybe it becomes clear. Yeah, like as a quick side note, I understand that the quarantine has forced people who like require um, positive reinforcement in the the like the positive reinforcement that comes from posting videos and getting responses. Like, oh, I'm by myself now, so I have to create videos in which I am both of the people, or I am these two people. But like, I have seen it so many times now, and there is this weird TikTok thing where it has to be. Here's my reaction to this I, thing. I didn't know how to describe it because I don't watch a lot of TikTok. Oh, but the, the, the part where like very... you play every character in your little skit. Yeah. Like, like yes, that's that's what he's doing, except it's not funny. Yeah, and like I I get that a lot of people really super like TikTok and it's become this like escapism, like I'm just gonna go watch a bunch of TikTok stuff. You know, that just proves to me <laughs> that like there is this certain thing where if you are a certain level of attractive like you get a pass and like i see it more often it's a little this proves that it's not as gendered as i was more talented in 2016 whatever it was yeah that he earned all these like but he had the following to do the dumbest gambit ever and get away with it by the way uh at troy becker tiktok if you guys want to follow him, he doesn't have 7 million followers now, but it's substantial. 
So he's doing fine, it looks like. And by the way, I get quarantine might do this to a person, but he changed his name a year earlier, so he was laying the seats for this. <laughs> wow. Wow. For next episode, I'm going to introduce us as different people. Younger, sexier versions of ourselves. <laughs> Follow us on TikTok. When you go to make a podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, poormanshistory.com is our website. Find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cool and unusual punishment. Yep. Where we uh, will do uh, reviews of Troy Becker's TikTok videos. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>